Great. What's up, everybody? I'm Hubert. I'm here with Ralph again with another one of our famous podcasts here today. We are going to interview Ben, um, CEO, founder of PopSync. Uh, ben, go, would you be able to introduce yourself really quickly? Yeah. Uh, so as you rightfully stated, uh, I'm uh, uh, the CEO of PopSync. I'm one of the two founders of the company, actually. And uh Bit of background. Um, I started my uh, data carrier and data journey uh, at Amazon back in 2015, and uh, I worked there for about five years in various data topics. And then I was the head of data at a company called Sixth, that's uh, very famous in Europe for its car rental unit, and uh, it's doing a bit of everything around mobility. And uh, yeah, there was a bit of the two minutes uh, thing. Awesome. Ben and I um, have been talking several times throughout the year, just catching up, um, getting a, a feel for the ecosystem and streaming, um, uh, and uh, especially about PopSync, right? Um, can you, uh, I guess, tell us about PopSync and your motivation to uh, to create it? Sure. Uh, the motivation is pretty simple. It's sheer frustration. Um, so... In you know, uh, as part of a, a data journey, there's a, always this time where data is not just analytics, but it actually serves operations. And um, the, the toolbox has been a bit, uh, let's say, suboptimal uh, when it comes to uh, actually going the, the next step uh, with data. Um, so as, as soon as you start servicing either like the end user or someone who's servicing the end user, uh, you start facing a whole new world of complexity. And traditionally, I think it's, um, it's because of the ETL paradigm, um, everything is served as a table. So it's like, hey, uh, here's the API on top of the table. And that was really painful. Um, so I've tried changing that a couple of times uh, within like the logics and the teams that I had. Um, and with pretty mitigated success. Um, one of the main reasons was because like it was a bit early and a lot of the tools and technologies and maturity, especially of the technologies wasn't there. So I just got to a point where I was like, okay, just, let's do it ourselves. Right. And that's a bit of the inception. Like there's a bit more to it because like things didn't happen in one day, uh, but um, the like it's roughly the origin story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, I watched some of your videos on uh, Loom from your websites, and um, I see it's very, very user user friendly. Uh, there is a SQL interface uh, that you could use, um, sources and syncs. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's implemented underneath? Sure. Um, so just to piggyback on what you just mentioned like on sql and everything and it is it is because of like well obviously partly my own experience but also because of the people we, we work with um we were trying to give us like this familiar experience to the people who come from the database world so it's not just about like making it easy for the people who already work with the streaming world it's about like making sure that the people who don't actually have access to this um and under the hood, there's a few technologies. Um, so 
Flink is our main transformation engine, and it's providing like most of the compute and the compute technologies that we're using, like everything around like the actual processing capabilities. Um, on the CDC aspects, because like obviously we have database connectors in and out. Uh, there's a few technologies. There's a bit of connect, like from Kafka Connect and everything. There's like a bit of Debian. There's several technologies together. There's some things we do build ourselves. Um, the we use so as an even boss like we just moved to red panda and we've been really happy with it so it's a bit of kudos to these guys um so yeah and then we have a bunch of like technologies around that like uh we've been using mercure for quite some time um because it's been really useful to actually like um have this thing with the front end where messages get pushed and all of that so it's a bit of a melting pot um but uh, it takes more than one thing to actually like make this work. So nice, nice. Well, uh, maybe one question. Um, so how is it? Or in, in which way is it modular? Um, or is it basically one big package and you have to have everything? So you have so customers have to use your um, Red Panda, your Flink, um, your connectors. Or can you basically say, okay, I want to use Kafka Connect for that part, your connector for the sync part, maybe? and rising wave as the stream processor so is it kind of lego like or mainly one yeah thing? <laughs> excellent question and i love it um so right now it is definitely not modular uh the main reason is because like we needed this thing that people coming from like let's say snowflake or um or BigQuery like can actually use so that mm -hmm. you know you have like your hot layer and your cold layer so you're doing like your heavy duty batch analytics uh, directly inside um mm -hmm. your good old database but when it comes to actually like servicing ops or directly connecting your database to a streaming world like you have this pop sync which is giving you this full-fledged uh break. um but we are I making mean, it, make it more that, that, that's not bad i mean because i think it's very hard to make it modular um with that functionality which you already have but yeah um, if, if you want yeah if you want to do it yeah. then it's even better <laughs> so i mean on, on like, um, like none of that is on the roadmap and it's more of a philosophical discussion we're having at the moment yeah. which is like we want to drive down cost like yeah. it's and we know like some of the things that we are doing on our side for the benefit of all pop sync maybe activities that all users are already doing on their side for their own benefit so maybe we can find a way to like bring those two together and use that to drive down cost on users um at the moment it is something that we're talking about uh, it is some roadmap items are already shaped around that but it is it is not the current state of the product as of uh, the mm -hmm. 2nd of October 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how um uh, how are you using Red Panda underneath? Uh, you say it's Flink underneath. Um, how how is Red Panda used? Mostly as um, the event bus. So what it's giving us is some capabilities like on. Um, it's really operational. So it's the retention uh uh for process data it's um it's a way to interface with kafka connect that's just api based for us so it's simplifying a few things 
And at the same time, it is giving us, um, I mean, now Kafka has some of those abilities, but like bring your own storage has been something that we've been uh, really adamant on getting early. Um, so yeah. Um, are you using it at all to represent like like for like streaming tables at all? Um, so I, I see that you're you're able to um, you know create sources and treat those as, as like table structures inside uh, Flink and then and then syncs. Are, are there are you are, are you creating materialized views and representing those and storing those in Red Panda as well, or is that something else? not quite no, like not quite in the absurd sense so okay. like we we have our stream of absurd events uh you know beautiful before afters and everything um but we are doing that on the user side as soon as you have your destination and that means like you know i mean it, it really like connector dependent uh, for um. example like as of the second of october uh it is still not possible to do proper absurd in snowflake uh which means that you need to stream your inserts and then have a, I mean, dynamic view or like something uh, on top of it to actually do the, the absurd aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, Red Panda, like it's, it is a storage engine, but it, we're not really using it like really for tables. Although we do use features like schema repository and that kind of stuff for like um, operational aspects because governance is important. Yeah. So, soon as you start servicing operations like things need to be a bit more clean so mm -hmm. yeah cool when we talked um earlier this year i felt like the whole streaming ecosystem was just about to blow up <laughs> you know what i mean it's like um ever since uh confluent acquired Imarok, the focus on flink has been you know substantial mm -hmm. uh, has that affected your perspective or your your customers or or in your perspective like in general a stream processing um, not necessarily like so it's and like now the the flink offering from confluent is live right so like it is it is completely possible to like if you are confluent users uh, to start like using uh flink and start doing sql based transformation in a much cleaner way but like doing sql based transformation within the confluent offering was already available and you already had ksql it's just like a better way of doing it so today i don't think it changes that much from an offering perspective like it's it had confluent has a supplemental offering on flink managed flink which is really good and you know aws has rebranded kinesis data analytics and like a lot of things have happened around flink and around flink as a brand in a way mm -hmm. um but doesn't really change that much um i mean we're not hiding the fact that we're using flink but it's not really like what we're using is like hey we are managed flink service we're not a managed flink service we have flink under the hood but ultimately like we're a bit more and at the same time we're not really doing like you know um we're not giving you like full control on flink it doesn't make sense like the people we work with they don't want that like too much of that is confusing okay. so yeah it's you know there's like a lot of managed click house offerings that are started to like have cdc outputs and in a way are going to start competing with the flink offerings and we are seeing it a lot more uh as soon as 
you know, you have in and out, it's like you become a stream processing engine. Mm -hmm. And with the, let's say, with what's happening within the streaming database world, like there's so many technologies. And I don't, I think Flink was an obvious winner for a long time because it is a really strong and powerful technology. But the more you look at it now, the more like there are actually alternatives. So it's a great tool, great technology, and we're going to keep on using it because we love it and it works. But I think for different use cases, we will have competing technologies. And I don't think like, um, I don't think streaming has like blown up in the sense that, mm -hmm. you know, like the massive announcement effect of mm -hmm. like Iraq acquisition was. Yeah, it brings me to one question. I mean, um, so Hubert and me are writing this book about streaming databases, and you seem to have looked at a bunch of them too. So, um, I mean, just like very um, <laughs> without, yeah, doing too much of verdict. Uh, could you give your stance? What do you think about materialized rising wave? Uh, what else is there? Time plus. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's a, also there's a multiple answers to that question. Um, <laughs> it's a technology, technology wise, like it's super interesting. Uh, like some of them are really, really interesting te uh, things. Like uh, temporal joins in rising wave is uh, something that's really good, and I'm very curious about that. Uh, materialize is amazing. It's it looks amazing at least from a technology perspective and from a scalability mm. uh, perspective. Um, but there are like a lot of open questions. And right now, I think like it's expensive. Um, like I think uh, as of the second of October, um, a, I think an M node is like four thousand dollars per month. So it's really like not for the first person that comes. It's like it's really like it's something. It's like mm. you need to have a serious use case that's worth using it. It's not like you're gonna start building like and spinning up like services on top of it. So. So there are like things that are happening and like a lot of it is like super exciting. Um, but Link is cheap. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> there's, 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 that makes sense because, you know, a streaming database, there's a database and with a database you have storage and with storage you have additional costs, right? Um, so it all depends. Do you want to do your stream processing on top of the streaming database? And what are you getting for that? You know, and, and you know, are you, are you, there's a cost to having that storage. And if you want to be able to do that, you know, simple, you know, um, um, like a uh, you know, shell, like Postgres approach to, to do your stream processing. Um, but, you know, Something like a pop sync, you know, simplified uh, with a single SQL interface, with reduced storage. You know, you're just holding some state. Is that you know, will that satisfy you and, and, and serve the amount of cost you're willing to pay? So, I mean, it makes sense, you know, right? That there's a database aspect to a streaming database. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and um, it's there's a lot of aspects to it so it's yeah. it's interesting and i think that like what's what has started is going to keep on happening with like all those mm. alternatives in a way mm. um so I, i'm looking forward to it because like I, I think some really good stuff is going to come out of it uh but ultimately like you know we have to stay true to our persona and 
those guys are data engineers, they are analytics engineers, they are people who are mostly familiar with SQL in interfaces and let's say like some of the foundational principles of data in the ETL and the ERT and data processing sense, like the good old fashioned way. And they are looking for that familiar segment when they use us. Um, towards the end of uh, current, uh, even like the next day, I, I felt like even some some people have mentioned, even I have uh, noticed this is that there's a a common theme, not really common, but I heard a, a little bit of a theme where where batch and streaming are starting to converge, and I think this is really a lot of talk coming from the streaming databases vendors, and um, I think there's you know especially around like DBT plus materialize where I, I hosted some of those uh, sessions. Um, and that's really, you know, Flink has batchy capabilities, right? Is this something you would be, have you thought of or considered in, for, for PopSync? Um, uh, there's a lot to say about the convergence. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's converging in like, you know, batch is becoming stream and stream is becoming batch. Uh -huh. I think like, um, you know, like very simply, like thinking about like what it means to do batch and streaming here, like just the segment here without talking about processing itself, like batch, you're hitting the database. Stream, you're hitting the logs. Like mm -hmm. technologically speaking, like it, it starts at like two different, two different segments. So what's gonna happen downstream is not gonna be the same thing. Like you need to replicate one of them, like has its own states, like from within the batch itself. The other one has more information. It has like the inserts, update, delete operations, like from a CDC perspective. So you can stream that, and then you know what to do with that operation. As you don't need to like compare it versus the state of what is currently there. So there's a couple of things that cannot be the same. So like the convergence itself is a bit. You know, uh, I think it's it, it is as you said, like it is vendor talk. Um, <laughs> I, I think like it's just like okay, like streaming is getting the same capabilities as as batch, and it is getting starting to get the same user experience, which is extremely uh, important because yeah. the you know people who came from like the on-premise database to like the cloud database to like coupled compute and storage like they had always had the same experience mm. and that was the convergence and i think like as soon as streaming gets into that space where it's like okay it's like it's the same thing but different and you start talking about like costs and like you know like really business boring business metrics like <laughs> what is the roi of deploying a uh, stream processing uh, database or like a stream processing engine and like what is like how much do you save on actually processing things as a stream versus processing them as a batch like that is that is the convergence like mm -hmm. if if you put those two in parallel and you start comparing them against the same metrics and you start thinking like okay if i ingest every five minutes versus if i stream from a to B, streaming is 5x cheaper, then that's the convergence. You're mm. going to use a stream processing engine. It's going to give you the same UI, the same experience, and fraction of the cost. Done. Right.
Mm. Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. oh one, one question I had just um, completely turning the tables a bit. But, uh, it's more about how do you compare with the other still existing Flink <laughs> vendors? I mean, because I mean, from from a like bird's eye view, at least you look very similar to Decodable, right? In some yeah. sense. Yeah, I think. I think we have a bit of a different persona with Decodable. Um, Decodable has a really like it has a great product, and I think what the persona looks like is it, it looks more technical. Mm -hmm. um, so I think someone who's using Decodable today probably already has a pre-existing experience with streaming. Um, for us, they're mostly coming from the database world. Like those are okay. existing users of yeah. Snowflake and BigQuery mostly. Converted. So. Sorry? Converging to streaming. Converging. <laughs> In the process of. Yeah, I mean, we're not competing on the same use cases with like BigQuery and okay. Snowflake, for instance. Like, we don't really consider BigQuery and Snowflake competitors. We don't want to. It's, a, it's not oh. a good thing for the, it's not a good strategy from a business perspective. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what we can do is enhance those existing tools. So like, you know, you pre-process, you serve it directly in BigQuery or Snowflake, you make that available to operations as a continuously available table, but also as a stream for real-time alerts, for like proactive decision-making. Um, but you have your live analytics operation uh, capabilities on top of that. So we are really like this kind of like hot brick within the data stack. So it's like you have your cold break in the form of your existing batch engines and tools. And you can have this hot break. And because that break is hot, it's going to warm up a lot of your stack with it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. Um, when we were walking around current, well, especially me, because my booth was right, right across from <laughs> the Confluent Giants booth. Um, there was a lot of focus and talk around like the converging streaming with with a lot of the gen ai technology um and uh, i love the eye rolling there so i can't wait for this answer uh, <laughs> but uh it was a uh there was a uh a, a demo right across from my booth where it was uh the stream processor and then there's i think it was milvis um, in the back end, they're uh, doing real-time Gen AI work, whatever. Uh, I didn't get really into it. But I love your opinion on that, uh, uh, the streaming technology marrying with uh, the Gen AI technology. Does it make sense to you? I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, but I, I, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, it's surfing on a buzz. Um, so... Uh, there's some really, really good rationale to this um, because Gen AI is a operational service. It has an end user as a consumer. Like Gen AI is not really something that is batch by nature. It's not like you're gonna. I mean, it can be like let's say you're trying to like reclassify your, I don't know, your retail catalog once a day. It's a batch thing. But you're adding a new product and you want it to be like really classified before going live. You're not gonna wait like six hours before doing that. So it makes sense to have streaming operations for this because this is what enables you to do things live. And that makes sense. There is a thing that ties streaming and 
Gen AI, but that's really from an operational perspective. Mm. I don't think like Gen AI is not the enabler for streaming. Streaming can be for Gen AI because you know if you're trying to put that within your operation, within your product, like you need the data to go live. But yeah. at the end of the day, like it is a microservice like any other, and it's just that streaming is a way for services to communicate with one another. So it's just like just any other use case like really it's, it's using a streaming engine or a streaming database as a feature store is something that's been done before so it's mm -hmm. it's great um it, it, it serves machine learning it serves ai it can serve a ton of things and gen ai is one of the use cases so yes it makes sense but that's just like both right <laughs> um i was actually asked that same question about uh Apache Pino at the at the Star Tree booth. Now, I, mean, I get the feeling that everybody is getting that question in every booth, like how how does Gen AI uh, uh, integrate with with your technology? Um, all I could think of honestly is you know maybe Gen AI there, there might be a, a library or a model out there that can take natural language and create SQL, and then that all all the services and all the vendors in the uh, in the, the current uh, a conference could work, you know, with Gen AI, but um, I'm still waiting and for you, one to come out. <laughs> you can basically already create that with a, literally any engine. Like you mm -hmm. can create user-defined functions in Flink. You can create user-defined functions in Snowflake and BigQuery. So like UDF is not really something that's like brand new. So like making an async call to a model somewhere is like it's it's already doable. Like you can have your you can have your SQL thing that does like this, but I think it's, I, I, and and I get it, like everyone's asking like, so how does it work with Gen AI? And it's more <laughs> about like, okay, so what do you want to do? Like, what is it, like, let's talk about use case. Cause before we start like thinking like, okay, let's put Gen AI uh, as capabilities in our product, like tell us, like, do you even understand what it is, what it does? Like, what, what do you want to do with it? Cause we can do it. Like if, if it's about making a call to a generative AI model, sending a string or whatever uh, as an utterance and telling them, like, telling the model like, hey, please like use this as a prompt, get me the result and I will send whatever the result is to your database, your user facing application, like your billboard or what have you. It's It's more about like, is that, truly what serves the use case you have. Like mm -hmm. you you want you need generative AI for this. And if so, like yes, we of sure of course we will be happy to enable you with that. <laughs> but it's like showcasing tons of like generative AI capabilities is a bit different from actually doing anything with it. So <laughs> in the in the same spirit, um does PopSync have any gen AI? capabilities or are you looking into any of that or has any of your customers inquired about how to incorporate gen ai with pop sync yeah like we, we've had quite a few people actually ask us like uh, yeah. how does like because you know as part of like talking to enterprise users you face um innovation departments and those people like try to keep an eye on everything so most of what that means is that they're trying to make sure that what they're thinking about investing in or what they're investing in is actually compatible with like what they believe is like the next stage of thing. So a good thing with no longer at the blockchain buzz, 
mm. but um like at least now it's like okay we, we can help with gen ai like we can actually really help uh if you're trying to do something we can help you structure the prompts in real time and actually like get the result and feed it across your entire organization in real time so that is that um as any of them actually come forward with a generative ai use case the answer is no. interesting interesting um uh, what's next for uh for uh pop sync um what was then what's your roadmap look like this year and and next uh, so we have a big roadmap element uh, coming next week. Uh, so October 11th, uh, so on Wednesday, uh, the product is actually uh, going public. So we've been running a private beta for quite some time now. And things are finally in a state where we are confident in actually giving it to the world. Um, so that's the, the really big thing. Uh, so that's going to be, let's say, that's going to keep us like well that's what's currently keeping us busy and then we have roadmap items that are more around uh, features uh, that have been asked and that we've had to park for a bit in order to make sure that everything was ready for prod mm -hmm. um well, for prod for the actual like ga uh, mm -hmm. and then uh then we have other things but like right now we don't really have a user-facing roadmap that we're really sharing that's something i i hope we can get uh, next year but was a bit of structure that needs to come, needs to come there. Well, I look forward to that announcement and uh, congratulations on that. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the um, uh, uh, Ralph, do you have any like final questions or? No, I think I'm fine. Yeah, uh, I th I think we're we're good, Ben. Um, I'd love to somehow connect with you again. You know, maybe like some conference in uh, in Europe somewhere and. Uh, and catch up on how how PopSync is doing. Um, yeah, again, it's, yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. Like, uh, really, like it's always a, a pleasure pleasure chatting with you. So, it's, uh, yeah. really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, if you are anytime uh, around Europe, uh, it'll be a pleasure to finally meet in person. Great. Well.